What's going on, guys? UFC 267. Ah, oh, so close, so close. Yet so far, unless you take the hedge out option, we normally do make these tickets to give you that hedge out option, but all the same, right? You get 13 to 14 picks, right? You're 12 to 13 going into the main event, and to happen for that to happen to Jan, awful. But let's talk about all the action that happened in the between. Again, 14 fights, a lot of them action-packed, good results, uh, just a disappointing way to cap things off. Starting off, we got Tagir Ulambekov versus Alan Nassimeno. Tagir was like a 4-1 to favorite. Khabib's boy, Russian style, Team Russia. We're all over Team Russia this week. You know, he should go out there and roll. But with Alan Nassimeno, again, we knew going in, this guy's super skilled. He's got good Muay Thai. He's got good jiu-jitsu off his back. And I don't know who you're more impressed with. Are you more impressed with the guy that won? 4-1 to favorite, supposed to win. Got the takedowns when he needed them, but... Man, I feel like Alan Nascimento's stock went up. I mean, he's throwing up submissions the entire time. First round's very close. I scored it for Tagir. But again, if you look at the fight metrics numbers, I think he got outstruck. Alan Nascimento was struck him like 10 to 5. So he's landing off his back. He's throwing up submission attempts. But you are on your back with another individual on top of you. Second round, again, he is off his back. But you see closer submission attempts. You see better work off his back. Again, does outstrike him in that second round. Probably a 1-1 going to the third. And then uh, Tagir, he gets the takedown. And he just did an excellent job of avoiding the submission attempts. And there's like 30 seconds left, a minute left. He, la he landed some decent enough ground and pound. That seals the third round for him. Thought he won the first. You think it's probably going to be a close decision. And it was a split decision. Can't say I agree with the split because I don't think to get, or sorry, uh, Allen won two of the rounds. But when you realize how close the first and second were, could see it. Rightful guy won. We also had him by decision. So off to a good start. Andre Petrosky versus Yao Zong Hu. I didn't have a whole lot of faith in Petrosky because his gas tank just looks unbelievably porrid. But yeah, he had the huge wrestling advantage. He clearly had a striking advantage, but cardio is still an issue for him. It's just against Yao Zong Hu, who had nothing to show for. And we talked about UFC 261. Three Chinese fighters on the card brought him in from UFC Shanghai Performance Institute. All three of them lose. We looked at contender series on Tuesday. Three Chinese fighters all brought in from UFC Performance Institute Shanghai. Same thing, three losses. On this card, two more Chinese fighters, Yao Zongzu, happened to be the first of which. But yeah, he just looked awful. He looked out of place. Didn't look like he made any improvements over the last three years. He was better suited at 185. He was a big body at 185. But his takedown defense is, so is soft. His striking defense is non-existent. He took some killer shots out there. And where it looked like Petrovsky was tired and Zhu might be able to turn the fight in his favor the later this, this, this thing goes, he never did. Kudos to Petrovsky. He pushed through everything. Wasn't the prettiest of performances, but he gets a third-round submission. Um, he actually is coming off a third round win over Michael Gailmore as well. And for a guy that gasses, he's still finishing these fights in the third. He's still persevering. He's still pushing through it. It just wasn't the prettiest of displays. But as a high insight thing, wish I had more Petrosky. At the time, I thought he was a bottom level PRP tight guy. And uh, at least for two now moving on. Lerone Murphy versus Mac Wanamir Connie. This one worked out perfect because from a live betting opportunity, I know Paul and I spoke about it on the preview show. Good live betting opportunity for Lerone Murphy. Maquan Mirakani, last nine opponents in the UFC, he scored at least one takedown over all of them. And that proved to be the case in the first round against Lerone Murphy. We figured he'd get taken down, but hopefully work your way back up, make him work. One thing was true in that round, he did get taken down. Second thing was untrue. He did not really do much action off the back. I mean, his grappling just looked kind of soft. Maquan Mirakani didn't really overextend himself or do much. And yet when the second round started... You can honestly see Maquan Mirakani looks a little more tired. The takedown's not coming quite as easy. Uh, Murphy gets right in his face. I thought Murphy was being a little over aggressive. Like all he needs is one takedown. We saw that in the first. Like 
Why not bide your time? But he knew what he was doing. He baited him into a sloppy shot, double leg from 10 feet out, just tied him with the flying knee. So I did kind of think this thing was going to go the over two and a half. I had money on the over two and a half. So in that sense, lost a little bit there, but Murphy keeps the parlays alive. And yeah, I mean, he was a three to one favorite coming in. I think everybody universally thought that was a little bit too much. He, he got the win. He got the job done. So it doesn't really matter. But yeah, takedown defense might be a problem with him moving forward. He's very dynamic, though, and interesting to see what uh, the future holds for Lerone Murphy, who keeps his undefeated record intact. Michael Alexichuk versus Shamil Gamzatov. This is our first underdog shot on the card. To this point, we've rolled with three favorites. Two Actually, they're all kind of sizable favorites as well, so we need a dog hit here because dogs are going to hit. <sighs> I was hoping this would be one of the only spots, but c'est la vie. Uh, Alexichuk looked... Oh, wow. Part of it is he looked really good. He was pressuring. He was in Gamzatov's face right off the get-go. He did not respect Gamzatov's power because, I mean, Shamil clipped him with a few shots, but, you know, Prince Michael switched his name apparently. He's not Prince Michael anymore. Lord Michael. He's not Lord Michael anymore. Uh, he just didn't respect anything. He marched him down. He started landing shots. Now, it's a mixture of a lot of things. Gamzatov, professional athlete, undefeated, absolutely gassed out. Two and a half, three minutes into the round. How is that possible for a professional athlete? But multiple factors. First thing, he hasn't fought in two and a half years, right? So the ring rust, he hasn't really felt the live in-action fights for a while. It's going to be a problem. Second of all, the amount of pressure that Alexa Chuck was putting on him, it, he could only fight off his back foot. He was forced just to keep moving and moving and moving. That's going to wear you out. Last but not least, that body work from Prince Michael. Holy crap, man. Lord Michael. I don't even know why I call him Prince anyway. And he's not even Lord Michael anyways. But Alexa Chuck just cooked his body, roasted him. When you watch the tape on him, he loves going to the body. But when he saw Gamzatov tired, not moving anymore, feet are starting to become, you know, just, he's not moving, he's not mobile. Take advantage, work the body. It's understandable why Gamzatov was so tired. But yeah, once he did get tired, the end was very close. And uh, sure enough, uppercut, bam, puts him out. Great win for Alexa Chuck. Because again, he's only 26 years old. Cardio, I don't know if he would have been a pressure like that for 15 minutes, but it looked better in his last fight. His pressure game was on point. His striking is clearly good. He stuffed a few takedowns. Not that Gamzatov is really much of a, a takedown threat, but at least he kept the fight outright. All good stuff for a 26-year-old. His career moves on. He advances. Gamzatov hasn't fought in two years. Looked awful. Sure, it's his first pro loss. Sure, you come back from this, but I think he's 33 maybe. This looked awful. He's always looked awful. Looked awful in the regional scene. Looked awful in World Series of Fighting. Looked awful in his UFC debut. Takes a two-year-long gap. Comes back and looks awful again. Running's on the wall, right? So who knows what they do with him, but uh, it's not going to be pretty. Uh, Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos takes on Benoit Saint-Denis. Saint-Denis made his UFC debut versus a guy in Dos Santos who had 12 UFC fights to that point. So experience is going to be all over Dos Santos. It's whether or not you can create a firefight you know get him open and clip him with something and Benoit Saint Denis fought an excellent game plan he got in his face he tried to pressure him the best he could just Zaleski dos Santos is a much better striker he would dip his head he'd throw these overhand rights decent hooks and he had much better hand speed so when he would clip Saint Denis Saint Denis would really feel it and then as, as good of work as he did in the first round he just could never really find Zaleski dos Santos decent enough competitive first round but uh, definitely in dos Santos first round second round dos Santos clips of See, it just looks like St. Denis can walk through everything. He's got a granite chin on him. Like every time Dos Santos hits him, he's not wobbled. He's not phased. The guy's obviously very tough, but then finally one cracks him and it's a right hand and it completely wobbles him. He kind of goes back to the cage, eats 20 more clean shots on the chin. Referee not looking to stop it. Good case that you could stop it, but he, he allows him to recover. 
And to a certain extent, St. Denis actually does recover. He's not moving terribly. doesn't look like he's shot. He's not on rubbery legs. It's just his eyes closing now. His face is busted up. And he probably just got hit with 30 clean punches to the chin, which is not good. It's the second time. The second time it's a knee up the middle, smokes him in the face. Now he's on full rubber legs. Now his legs are gone. And he proceeds to eat another 20 significant strikes clean to the chin. So just stop the fight. If the guy's able to come back, it'd be a heroic, it'd be a heroic thing. But it's his UFC debut, man. He's getting paid twelve thousand bucks to be here, and potentially twelve thousand dollars if he's to make some miraculous comeback, which I think we all know ain't gonna happen at this point. Save him for himself. He's got a family, you know. Like he's got he's got a home to go back to. He's got stuff to do beyond fighting the octagon. So why not stop the fight? I don't know. Did you think he was gonna come back? I don't think so. But the ref allows it to continue. Probably screwed a lot of people that had the inside the distance prop. Probably screwed a lot of people that had the under two and a half prop or the Zaleski by TKO or whatever the case may be, definitely screw them. But he allowed St. Denis to go out on his shield. And then the third round, you know, he actually had a better third round than he did in the second, but it was just a perennial beating, you know? It was kind of, we love watching prize fights. I watch anything. I, and I have watched convicts, watched convicts fight and, uh, you know, the felons and, and homeless people. And yeah, sometimes you feel a little bit guilty, but you never feel real bad. This guy took a beating in there, you know? And yeah, he's a warrior and he's a UFC fighter and he was undefeated and you owe him that chance. I think you owe a main event fighter a chance. I think you owe a guy that's ranked in the division a chance. I don't think you owe a guy making his UFC debut, clearly outmatched, you know, as an underdog. The live betting market's probably minus 5,000 Dos Santos. I don't know, save him for himself. Now, the other world that exists is Dos Santos did look tired at the end of the second and, geez, St. Denis was still alive. Maybe he can land that shot. Maybe he can make that comeback. Maybe, but I think there's more than just like a what if 0.5% of a chance. Like what was the chances that he was going to come back into that fight? Not good. Got to save them from themselves sometimes. He's got a great chin. Great chin. Never went down. But that's the problem, right? You got to save them from themselves. Albert Durai versus Roman Kopilov. Durai's a stud. You know, he was a stud on the contender series. He's been off for a little while, but his ground game's nasty. Guy's pretty tough, durable all around. He's like a three to one favorite to start the week. 350 come preview show time and a minus 400 come fight time. Kopilov looked awful in his UFC debut, but he'd been off for two years. He's only 30. He's a much bigger middleweight, so could be interesting. And shit, this ended up being an absolute sweat. Uh, Durai in the first round. You have that much of a grappling advantage. Okay, it's very significant grappling advantage. His top control amongst the best in the division. Needs to get the fight to the ground. But once it is on the ground, drive in just cruise control. On the contender series, didn't take very long. Fight gets to the ground, cruise control. You're taking on Roman Kopilov, more so a striker. And he literally just got submitted by Carl Roberson in his last fight two years ago. Uh, as a kickboxer, took him down, submitted him. Bad look. This is your easy path to victory. But in the first round, he's just banging with them. Very close round. I guess I, I scored it for Derive, but you could have made a good argument that Kopilov won the first round. It was close. They both landed shots. Derive's kind of backing him up, but he ate a decent knee, and he got his leg buckled off a leg kick. So, again, this is a close round. Second round, Derive, again, he, he comes out to bang. Like, where's the game plan? Where's the ring IQ? Why are you not taking the path of least resistance? Why are you just trying to bang with this guy? And sure enough, boom, clip. Kopilov catches him. I believe it was the right uppercut. Doesn't fold him, certainly gets his attention. And then that causes him to be like, oh, 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 stop playing with your food. Try to finish your food. Gets a takedown after that. And then mulls Kopilov on top. I'd say it's a 10-8 round, but he got dropped in the round as well. So maybe it's a 10-9. Our worst case is this is 1-1. Our best case is it's 2-0. But we just got dropped in that second round. And then the third round, he's completely exhausted. Luckily, Kopilov was also exhausted. Terrible body language. 
and Derive gets the win, but he's 33 years old. This wasn't a very good performance. If he fought somebody that would have stuffed the takedowns and caused him to stay striking, he was in a lot of trouble. His striking is robotic. You know, it's stiff, it's rigid. You can bomb a guy, you can land a few shots, but a good, precise counterpuncher is going to clip you. His chin didn't look great. His cardio didn't look great. His top game was good as ever, but his wrestling didn't look great. Again, at 33, if they're going to try to feed you him as a big favorite, let me see who the opponent is because he's going to get exposed probably closer uh, sooner than you think. Zubair Tuhuga versus Ricardo Ramos. This was a dog shot. A lot of people were taking on Ricardo Ramos. I went with Zubair Tuhuga. I thought that if it was a close decision, they would just give it to him. And this wasn't really all that close of a decision. He did an excellent job, you know, better striking, uh, just... Ramos never really looked comfortable. He was getting beat to the punch. Every time he got hit, started to bloody up a little bit. It wasn't like he was out of the fight. It was another classic Tuhugov decision-type fight where he goes through the rhythm. But normally, he's been getting tired. Normally, he fights excellent for a round, round and a half. This fight, he just didn't really push himself. Didn't really go for it. Didn't overextend him uh, at any point. Yeah, and he was able to pace himself excellent. And that pacing is what led him to the unanimous decision victory. Agree with it. I think it was a solid performance for Tugov, who's inconsistent in that he doesn't fight a whole lot. And when he does fight, it's usually a close split decision. This one, a little more definitive and uh, not like a bum opponent over Ramos. Ramos still very young. You can see him coming back from this, but he's limited. You know, he's not a great striker. He's not a great wrestler. His, his durability is okay. His cardio is okay. But the higher you get up the division, the tougher the guys you're going to fight. You need that one big advantage, that one big thing you bring to the table. Don't really quite see it out of them, but all the same, what can you do? So at this point in the night, we're two, four, six, seven, seven to no. We're feeling good. There's only one prelim left in Jandaroba versus Amanda Rebus. Jandaroba was the second underdog in the card I took a shot on. Turns out only two underdogs did win, but Verna won one of them. And you know what? I just didn't really care about this one. It's at the bottom end of the PRP. So to me, I, I don't really give a shit. I'd love for the PRP to hit. I love that extra value. But I'm more focused on the other tickets. Verna Jandaroba, I thought it was a 50-50 fight. I thought I could have gone either way. I knew she had a good ground game. BJJ Black Belt, very strong on top. And uh, the first round was actually going according to plan. She gets the takedown. Shot two initial takedown times, both stuff. Third one, cuts the corner, gets on top. And then Rebus had nowhere to go, nothing to do. Verna Jandaroba easily wins the next three and a half minutes. And the referee stood them right at the end of that first round. There was like 30 seconds left. Didn't like the stop, didn't like the stand up, but it's our round. We're cool. We just need a Verna second round takedown. And then the second round, similar to Albert Durayev, she never even attempted a takedown in the second round until the four minute mark or like four minutes into the round. So you just won the first round, not based on your striking. Well, she did clip her, but it was the takedown. The takedown is our way to win. It's how you won the first round. It's how you're going to win this fight if you're going to win this fight at all. And uh, to not go for it, to not pursue it, she just stood at distance. Rebus got more confident. Rebus got stronger. She got more tired. By the time she decided she had a takedown, she was too tired. She's too gassed. So she drops the second round. It's a third round situation. It's still 1-1. She can still go out there and get a takedown. She's just too tired at that point. Rebus put it on her. Saw poor performance for Rebus in that. Her cardio checked out. You know, desired to fight. Looked good. She was getting stronger as it went. Looked like she could fight five rounds at that pace. And she really started to put it on very hard in the third round, which is what you want to see of a good young fighter. This is a quality victory. Rebus, no doubt, goes forward. A more of a submission threat, sorry, more of a takedown threat could definitely be a problem. But there's not a whole lot of takedown threats in this division. And then Verna's got no power, never knocked out anybody. Doesn't have any knockout wins. Has a TKO due to an opponent breaking her arm, no knockout wins. She actually knocked down Rebus at the end of the first with a right hand. And Rebus got killed by Marina Rodriguez. So I'm not entirely sure that she's turned the corner. I'm entirely sure that Rebus is back to that number one prospect and 
a good striker is going to give her problems. Someone who can take her down at will is going to give her problems. Depending on who they give her next, we'll see. For Verna, tough loss. Tough loss because at 33 years old and with the with the shape she's in, the cardio is not going to get any better. She's never won a third round in the UFC. No judge has ever scored a third round in the UFC for Verna Janderope. She's just a two-round fighter. That's the unfortunate part of it. If she could be up two rounds going to the third, she's got heart, she's got decent chin, decent durability, she could survive. There's just not enough there. Cardio at this stage in her career, not going to make marginal improvements. And if you're going to fight top 10 level of competition, you're going to need more than just two rounds. So it, that this was not a good look for Verna Jandaroba. Again, it didn't really matter. You know, things move on. There was 14 fights on this card. I had her listed as the 14th most confident play. So it is what it is. It was fully expected. But somebody tweeted me. They were like, man, I can't believe. It's like she won the first round, right? It wasn't like it was a blowout. She looked bad in the second and third, but it's the fight game, right? She gets those tech takedown in the second, survives in the third, maybe she wins. Was it a bad play then? No, but it was the 14th most confident play for a reason. Just, just didn't have the good edge on it. NFL fans, hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game this week. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DOP. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, $200 in free bets just like that. If they win, you win. With the promo code DOP this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum of a $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook. For details, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Magomed Ankalaev versus Volkan Uzdemir. Of course, Magomed Ankalaev, one of the boys, uh, bet him on every single fight he's had in the UFC. Paul's bet him every single fight he's had in the UFC. We're big up on him. And we've been talking mad shit about this guy can fight for a world title. This guy could be the champion. I think he's top five material. He's been top five material for a long time. Of course, that one loss to Paul Craig always keeps coming up in conversation. But this guy does everything well. He strikes well. He wrestles well. Cardio's good. Chin's good. Volkan could catch him. Of course, it's a prize fight. Volkan's got a lot of power, but outside of that, Ankalaev uh, just does excellent work. You did see him get clipped. You did see him get touched up a little bit early in the striking by Volkan, but this guy's got a great chin. That's what makes him a good fighter. You know, It's not like he's got one thing to his game. He can do it all. Now, some people might say a little bit boring, right? Even the commentators with two and a half minutes left were like, well, if he put his foot on the gas a little more, he could take Volkan out. He listen, he's pitching up a shutout, right? He's up two rounds. He's winning the third round. He's hurt Volcan. If anything, he dropped Volcan. He's having his own way. Sure, it's nice to get a finish, but Volcan's dangerous and he respects him. And he's been hit before in this fight. So why why do you just blindly rush just to get a finish? Take your time. Be methodical. As I said on Twitter, be surgical. That's what he does. Ankali is a smart guy. So that that to me was an excellent performance and no doubt about it. Honestly, from what we saw from Jan Blakovic tonight, Ankalaev would have walked right through him. What we see from Glover Teixeira tonight, Ankalaev likely walks right through him. Ankalaev, if they give him a title fight next, he's the champion. If John Jones comes back, maybe that's somebody he can fight. Yuri's just such a shitty wild man that Yuri Petrowska could land on anybody in theory and knock them out. 
But skill for skill, Ankalaev, he's the man. He'll get the title eventually, matter of time. Comes out Chimaev versus Jing Liang Li. Again, Chimaev's probably another one of these guys that looks like it's a matter of time. He had a tough try making 170 pounds, I guess, on the scale, but did make it. Not like he missed weight. And that didn't look like a guy that had a bad weight cut to me. Like, he was full of energy, filled out, just fights the way he's always fights. The guy got COVID. He's taking a year off. He retired because he said of the long-lasting damage is done on him, and yet just goes out there and just right back to business. Smash, smash, smash. That double leg, he just shot right under Jing Liang Li's very first strike. Blast double. He was so far in on the hips, so fast. Nobody's going to stop this. And props to Jing Liang Li. He did actually stop it. He drew his hips in. He stayed upright. And then Chimaev just transitions to the back, lifts him up, carries him over to Dana, <laughs> gives him the old, uh, what's going on? Dumps him. And then just put a pound in on him. I'll give Jing Liang Li one thing. Uh, it was pretty tough that you stuffed that initial takedown attempt, even though he got taken down. But he fought the rear naked choke off valiantly. War spirit of a warrior. Definitely got the Bushido spirit. It's just Chimaev is so game. Even when he flattened him out at one point, it's like you can see Jing Ling. The ref's like, you got to work. It looked like it might have been a TKO stoppage at first. Ref's like, you got to work. And Jing's moving. He's moving his hips. He's trying to create space. Problem is, is that Chimaev is so unbelievably heavy on top. There's nothing you could do. Even if you're jiu-jitsu coach, it was just a room just with Chimaev on top of you and your jiu-jitsu coach is the referee. And he and he can sit there and be like, this is what you... It wouldn't, it, it wouldn't fucking matter. It would not matter. Doesn't matter what the hell they told you to do. Couldn't do it. So Chimaev does look special. And I know he's just... Everyone says, like, oh, man, he's not facing any adversity. Well, is that his fault or is he just that damn good? So at 170 pounds, the, the, the fight to make... Uh, well, I, you can't rush him into a title fight, right? But he's looked so dominant over mid-range guys. Jing Lang Lee's the upper mid-range guy. You know, he's looked so dominant. Part of me is like, just throw him in against the Lions and see what happens. If he's this good, if he's as good as he's looked against that level, yeah, maybe he can go out there and win a title. Should he fight a couple ranked opponents? Sure. It just doesn't seem like anybody in the division really wants to fight the guy. And as far as how does he match up with Colby or how does he match up with Usman, or at least those are two guys that theoretically stuff to take down. Right? Is he going to go out there and take down Kamaru Uzma? Is he going to go take down Colby Covington? Possible, but at least those guys are not Jing Liang Li. Like, at least those guys could make something happen. And he's looked so dominant. I want to see somebody test him a little bit. But yeah, that's a flawless victory. Perfect kill. And for Jing Liang Li, I will not hold that against him. Whoever he fights next time out, let's pretend this one didn't even happen because he didn't take any real damage in it. Let's be real. And uh, yeah, that shit's going to happen. So free pass for Jing Liang Li on that one. Uh, Alexander Volkov versus Marcin Tybura. I didn't really want to go that big on Volkov. The more I thought about it, I talked to Lock of the Night on the on the prop show. He really liked Volkov. Got talked into Volkov. Okay, okay. Tybura's not going to get this fight to the ground, and Volkov's a superior striker. Actually, both things proved to be true, but whoa, greasy fight, man. Greasy fight. First round, Volkov stuffs the takedowns and lands the better strikes. It's a close round until Tybura made a bonehead decision, got a, got sprawled out on. Volkov ends up on top with 90 seconds left. First round, Volkov, we're good. Second round now, mm, tide's starting to change. Volkov looks gassed. We've seen him fight five rounds with Curtis Blades at a higher pace. The fifth round was his best round. We've seen him push and throw well over 100 significant strikes before he tires out this is the second round he hadn't really done all that much and he was tired so this was not a good version of alexander volkov tabor started to get a little bit of a rhythm going he never looked good himself but he was landing the straight left hand backing him up pressing him up into the cage a little bit we got a 1-1 we got a 1-1 volkov's a three to three to one favorite sorry like this should be a walk in the park and it's not it's a 1-1 situation we go to the third 
Turns out Tabor is tired as well. So Volkov lands the punches. He sprawled him out. He kept his distance. He won the third round. This is a clean 29-28. I think two judges might have given him a 30-27. I can't recall for sure. But regardless, Volkov is the rightful winner. Won the unanimous decision. And now we're feeling the anticipation, right? Things are going good so far in the night. Parlays are, for the most part, Vernon Jandrova blew up PRP. But outside of that, you know, we've got 12, 12 fight tickets. So six good tickets for 12 fighters nine of which have already hit. It's this home stretch, last three. Makachev's a 5-1 five, five to one favorite, right? He should walk right through Dan Hooker's superior grappling. And this guy's special. You know, when you look at Chimaev, Chimaev seems special. Khabib was special. Makachev's just like a chip off the old block. Yeah, one loss way back when. But, man, he's a scary talent. Now, Dan Hooker's not known for his takedown defense because he's never really fought any good wrestlers. And as far as his submission defense goes, he hadn't really fought any top-notch grapplers. He did fight Gilbert Burns, but the fight, ended before it really ever started and i i mentioned he fought a guy named ian and whistle back in the day and stuffed all his take or his uh, submission attempts but makachev like habib habib's known for his wrestling not known for his striking not known for his grappling he's known for his wrestling abilities but you see he's a special talent so he's got good striking guy dropped conor mcgregor guy guy boxed up justin gaethje until the finish in that one and then you see shit he's got a good submission game you know this the triangle choke win over Justin Gaethje, the uh, rear naked choke over Dustin Poirier. Like these aren't easy guys to submit. In fact, these are guys that have never been submitted and he just walks right through. And that's a special talent. Makaj has the same thing. It's not just the wrestling. You got to go out there and buzzsaw right through people. He normally takes his time, but Hooker just gave no resistance. The takedown was on point. He, he, he ground and pound him fairly good and he started hunting for the arm right away. But it wasn't one of the G's like, oh, grab the arm. It's right there. He just like slowly... Okay, I got a grip on it, and I'm slowly going to inch two hands. Now I got a two-on-one. I'm slowly going to prop him up. I'm slowly going to step over. And as soon as he stepped over, if you've ever been to jiu-jitsu, and once they step over, you know, you're pretty much fucked. And he, he was screwed. There was nowhere to go from there. It looked like he was either going to break the arm. I didn't see him tap. And it did look like he looked at the referee to say I didn't tap. But it also looked like his arm was dislocated. So that was obviously the good call. He may have said something verbally, may have tapped out. I don't know. But the good call regardless. What were you going to do? Shatter an arm and fight him with one? You weren't going anywhere. You're still going to be on the ground. He was just going to break your other arm and then full mount you and smash your face. And so honestly, Makachev is a mean dude. Mean dude. And I don't know who had the best performance of the night. You know, Was it Makachev? Flawless victory. Was it Kamzat Chimaev? Flawless victory. Was it Magomed? And Kalaev, it was a different type of flawless victory. He didn't just buzzsaw the guy, but he fought an excellent game plan. Regardless, I'm not counting my winnings. I'm just feeling pretty good at this point because now we're down to the top tick. I need Peter Yan to win. Then I can hit my hedge out like I'd planned for. But also, we got a lot of money riding in those rolls, baby. We just got to get through this Peter Yan, Corey Sanhagen. This fight, as it turned out to be a sweat, turned out to be greasy, turned out to be a great fight. But it did go according to plan. We knew that Peter Yan's a slow starter. People kept referencing he lost the first two rounds to Jimmy Rivera, if not for the knockdowns. People kept referencing he lost the first two rounds to Aljamain Sterling, simply on, on output. He had lost a round to Jose Aldo, simply based on output. This guy's indestructible, man. He's quite literally the Terminator. And every time you hit him, it's not like you hit him, you did damage. You hit him and he just like, he grew. He just gained more info. He gained more timing. That punch came in you know, 0.037 seconds, right? Dee, 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 dee. This punch came in at 0 0.03. He's slowing down. Dee, move your angle, move your angle three degrees. Dee, dee, dee. Everything, everything's calculated with him. 
And why I say it went according to plan is when I spoke to Paul, I was like, I think this is a good line minus 220, but it'd be a good live betting opportunity because Jan is a bit of a slow starter and Corey Sanhagen's going to bring him to him early. It's the longer this fight goes, Jan just downloads way too much information. And Sterling started out well, just moving so good, hitting him at distance with the jab. Great first round wins. Sanhagen, same thing. Second round, oh, Jan looks a little bit better. And there's a good argument, I think, that Sanhagen won that second round. I looked online. All three guys from Sherdog had it yawn. Uh, a couple of notable journalists had it yawn. Some fans had it for yawn. I want to believe it was yawn. He landed the bigger shots. Corey Sanhagen landed more shots. It's just you could see it was a different second round than it was a first round. And it was the snowball effect had already been created because this is how yawn fights. And then the third round, that's exactly it. Sanhagen did the best of his abilities. He gets stung and he'd come right back every time, three punch combination. He was throwing the flying knee. He was throwing the spinning back elbow. He was doing everything in his power to frustrate him, show different looks, try to mix in a few takedowns. Everything in his power. But it's like Jan just figures it out. And finally, Jan dropped him, which is crazy because Corey Sanhagen never been knocked down. And Jan's knocked down his last five opponents. Knockout victory or not, he, he scored five straight knockdowns, five straight fights. And this is keeps the streak alive. This guy hits you, it, maybe it's power, but it's precision. He's just so sharp. And the way Corey Sanhagen fights with his hands low, uh, in and out of the pocket, relies a lot on timing and reflexes. The more damage you take, the more tired you get, the timing's not there anymore. The reflexes aren't there anymore. And Jan was not going anywhere. Jan did beautiful work with the calf kick and the body kick. But by the fourth round, it looked like his leg was hurt or he just didn't really care to throw the kicks anymore. So he just strictly started using his boxing. Corey Sanhagen just couldn't get out of the way. You know, everything was on point. If, for whatever reason, Sanhagen did, in fact, win that second round. Three, four, five, all Yon. Yon got a knockdown in the third. The fourth round was his biggest beating. And the fifth round, you know, props to Corey Sanhagen for trying. Landed a flying knee at one point, went for it. It's just Yon's in cruise control. And so when you think about great champions, I think Peter Yon's name's at the top of the, not at the top of the list very near the top of the list because I can't fault him for anything. Whereas some guys have got great this and great that and great this. They maybe lack that championship mindset or the ring IQ or the heart of a champion. And when I look at these other guys, right, with Chemayev, we haven't seen him tested. Don't know what his heart's like. With Makachev, I seen him get flush KO'd by Adriano Martins and has faced very little adversity since then. With Magomed Ankalaev, dude quit with one second left, caught in a triangle choke. One second left, quit. With Peter Yan, he's proven the championship mentality. He's proven that quality in that back class. He's not going to quit. You're going to need to knock him out unconscious, which nobody has, or you're going to need to, to submit him, which nobody has. Or you're going to have to rely on some wonky-ass decision, and that's the only time he's ever lost a fight. Since then, he's been perfect. He's not letting it go to the scorecards. When it does go to the scorecards, because you take on a very, very tough opposition, he fights the best guys in the world. Some of these fights are going to distance. It's, there, there's no question about it when it goes to the tally. Who's won the fight? Peter Young, incredible. Someday he'll slow down. Someday he'll go from mythological creature to human being. And maybe that's when somebody capitalizes on him. But until then, your best hope is that he knees you in the face when you've got a knee on the ground. Because other than that, beating him is going to be one hell of a task. If I'm Aljamain Sterling, I either retire or I take two, three years off the sport. Hopefully Jan slows down. Somebody beats him. I come back and I fight that guy. But like... <laughs> The problem is, is that he's going to be off a year and he's going to have major neck surgery. And then he's going to come back in with a ring rust, taking on Peter Jan. Like he needs a tune-up fight, but because he's the acting champion, there is no tune-up fight. Your tune-up fight is Peter Jan, 
who's eating guys up like Corey Sanhagen while he waits for you. Like, oh man, poor Aljo, but he's got it coming. And then finally, our main event. This could have been crippling had I not learned this lesson many years ago. Is that you hedge? I know everybody wants to see a ride. Everybody wants a big parlay ticket, but you. It's a 52-week long season. There's a card every week. You need to take the guaranteed money. It's all about building. It's not about, to me, it's not about hitting that one big show and then that's it. Because what's the point of hitting one big show if you lose the next three weeks? Now, on paper, the last three weeks, the top ticket guy, someone's blown it. You know, Sugmo Choi last week with with Bruce like uh, Bruce Leroy, like whatever that was. And then you look at this week, you know, there's one Jan Block who has lost, erases all of the good work that we've done to this point. And that's why you got to take the hedge out. Clover was like a plus 225 underdog. You didn't even have to put much on him if you didn't want to, but it paid good and it had to cover you from both sides. At this point in the night, you know, you know, if Jan Block was wins, you're getting a hefty payday. Why instead of get a hefty payday, just get a nice payday. But then hedge the other side. Don't lose any money on this event. You put in the work. You've done good at this point. And so, yeah, sure, I learned that lesson a long time ago. That saved me. But I know there's people that are feeling it because you had a three-to-one favorite in the main event. And uh, you can do the research. You can do the work. You can do all of that. And there's these uh, intangibles. There's variables of the game. Something could always happen. Could be the big punch. Could be somebody blows out their knee. The only theory I could present on this one, can't take anything away from Glover. But the only theory I could present on this one is that it's possible that Jan either had a neck injury coming in or injured his neck on the first neck crank attempt because something seemed off. Glover, beautiful takedown attempt. You know, uh, his wrestling is old tiny, but it works. Power wrestling off the cage. He had a really deep bite on that. You knew Jan was getting taken down. What I didn't expect is Glover black belt, Jan block belt. Jan right away regards, very nice. And then that was it. He just held him in guard. He tried to get two overhooks, which wasn't going to work. So he settled for one overhook. And Glover was bouncing his head off the canvas with the elbow and the free hand. He did not attempt to create space. He did not attempt to get up. He did not attempt to swing his hips. He didn't even open up his guard. It was almost as if he just knew, ah, it's a four-round fight. I'll just lose this round. But it's not a great game plan because Glover's he's working you a little bit. And you're getting progressively more tired. You're on your back. You don't just give a round away. He did nothing to improve position. It's fair. It's a four-round fight. Peter Jan just lost a round. It's all good. We're going to come back and we're going to go forward. It was the it was the goddamn neck cranks. Like, this is 2021, not 1997. Nobody uses a neck crank. Oh, well, I suppose, what we, yeah, Duray of neck cranked a guy in Contender Series. But, yeah, straight up, come on. Outside of that, Mark Coleman and Mark Kerr not in the game anymore. Nobody uses it. And if you were to use it, you're using it to open guard. Glover didn't even use it to open guard. He would just grab on the neck and crank on it. And most guys in that position, you know, clear space. Push him off, take an underhook, move your hips. He was overreacting to it. The first time it happened, he did open his guard briefly. And then, I don't know, maybe that put a kink in his neck. I'm not sure. The second time he went for it, it was just uncomfortable. But it's a very basic move, man. You're a BJJ black belt. Not concerned about this. The third time he went for it, Jan looked in a lot of trouble. He's not going to tap from a neck crank, but he started trying to scoot his hips and create space to release some of the pressure, but he was noticeably in a lot of pain from it. So now we got the second round start. Jan's a better striker. We know that. It's, it, this looks like a matter of time before he knocks out Glover. Glover can't move his head all that well anymore. His hands are always kind of relatively low, like a Kimbo Slice or a Prime Mike Tyson. Like He just kind of bobs and weaves, but he's too slow, and he's getting picked off. The jab's there. 
Jan stuffs the first two or three takedown attempts and lands a couple decent right hands in the mix. This is Jan Blackwood's round. This is going to be hopefully 1-1 after this. We've got three more rounds to work with, and it also looks like matter of time. Like He's going to clip Glover at some point, but you can't, when you talk about champions and X-Factors and guys, Glover's got a, he's got a heart. And he, when he knew, shit, I'm too slow to stand and strike with this guy, he just stepped in the pocket and swung bombs. Clip Jan, pushed him up against the cage, picked the ankle out. And whereas Jan, BJJ Black Belt, supposed to have decent takedown defense, whereas most guys run up against the cage from an ankle pick, low ankle pick, you just get back to a knee, you get in, and you use the cage and you get back up. Soon as he sucked it out, Jan just accepted the position almost right away. So Glover steps into mount, his best position, his favorite position, and Jan turtles up and gives his back. Glover puts one arm under the chin. It looks like a deep bite, but he's not connected his hands. He just got one arm. And the hand comes up to tap before Glover even palm to palm. And then as soon as Glover palm to palm, he tapped right away. So it wasn't an airflow issue. It would seem like he quit. It would seem like he a baby back bitch. It would seem like he's one of these guys you do not want to bet on. He's not fighting for your dollar, similar to some of these other fighters that we love to back. But I think it was a neck injury. I think he hurt his neck. And I don't know if it was pre-fight or during the first neck crank. Maybe it was even the third neck crank. It, but homie's neck was compromised. And that's why he tapped so quick. And so it's ah tough beat, tough beat, tough beat. You're telling me, but the sport's full of them, right? That's the way this goes. We're committed. We love fights. So don't look at this like you had a bad day. Don't look at this at like, fuck these fighters. The UFC's fixed. I'm never betting. It's like, are you a fight fan? You like fights? Because these were good fights. I enjoyed myself. Was was did I want to win a bunch of money? Did I want everybody? Just I don't really care when people say nice things. Like I just do it for me. If I can help people, great. I feel guilty when we lose. Somebody lost money, but the hedge was right there for you. So this is not on me. This is on you. If you want to let it ride, you let it ride. If you want to play it safe, you played it safe. Regardless, you yourself get yourself into. It's a gamble. But of course, you have a three-to-one favorite, defending champion, fighting a 42-year-old guy. Should have been easy money, right? Should have been easy money. And unfortunately, it was not. So Dems to break sometimes. What can you do? Back again, Contender Series this week, I believe, is the last Tuesday night Contender Series for the season. And then we got to move on. And then, of course, there's going to be another UFC. There's another Bellator. PFL's done. So maybe less shows to watch at. But I don't know. There's always going to be another opportunity coming around the corner. If you bet these fights straight up, I can't imagine you made a ton of money because there was a lot of big favorites. You needed to parlay. And I didn't know what the right combo was. So I'm glad I used Blonde as end of the night material to give us that hedge out. But still, right? You don't want to be a coward and hedge. You want to let it run and win the money. And it would have been so exciting had Jan won, but shit happens. So anyways, I'm not going to feel too bad for myself. It is what it is. Hopefully we get back on the right track next week and make it even better. And maybe we start releasing a few props here and there just to try to mitigate some of that damage in case somebody on the top ticket or top two tickets was to shit in the apple pie. Because that's essentially what Jan Blachowicz did. I said this week it was all going to come down to Team Russia. Team Russia did not disappoint. Unfortunately, Team Poland went one and two on the card. And the one that I needed to win the most was not the one that got the job done. So, say la vie. We'll catch you guys next time. Hopefully it wasn't too bad. Hopefully you're not feeling too bad about things. And uh, we can get things on the proper foot next time around. Until then, I'll talk to you guys. Take care. See you soon.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.